Hello and welcome to the Banker podcast series, Banking in Transition, where we explore how banking has changed through the COVID-19 pandemic and is adapting for the future. In this series, the Banker's editors are interviewing industry experts from around the world to gather insights and advice on specific challenges, best practices and innovations that can help banks and their customers as we move towards a new normal in banking. I'm Kimberly Long, Asia Editor at The Banker, and today I'm speaking with Peter Bourne, Chief Representative in Mumbai for Commerce Bank. Thanks for joining us today, Peter. It's a pleasure. Thank you very much, Kimberly, uh, for inviting me to this podcast uh, series. So to begin with, you you know, we all know India had some real severe challenges in the pandemic, not least with the surge of cases during the spring caused by the Delta variant. How is the country's economy recovering from these setbacks? Uh, yes, indeed, uh, Kimberly. India was uh, facing huge uh, challenges uh, during this pandemic, and the recession was really deep. Uh, first, the harsh lockdown in the beginning of the pandemic. Just imagine locking up uh, 1.3 billion people for nearly three months uh, in their homes. Yeah, and uh, in India we speak often of huts, uh, as a, as well as being uh, uh, bringing commerce and uh, industry to a complete stillstand. Uh, consequently, uh, India's uh, GDP dropped uh, dramatically by 27.6% in the second quarter uh, of last year, and the country fell from the fifth position back to the seventh position in the ranking of the world's largest economies. And the second shock, the shock uh, uh, for the country was in spring uh, when the newly discovered uh, COVID Delta variant took unfortunately so many lives. This health crisis in spring was, as the WTO expressed, beyond heartbreaking. And we all remember uh, the terrible pictures and reports in the international press. Meanwhile, I'm happy to report that the circumstances have uh, changed. The situation is at the moment well under control. Uh, more than 1.1 uh, billion vaccination doses have been applied uh, which of course is not enough, uh, but it seems to have stopped the emerging of a third wave, uh, touch wood. Coming to the economy, uh, most economic indicators, including the stock markets, which are climbing at, uh, from record high to record high, are currently uh, pointing to a bounce back. Uh, also strong foreign exchange reserves uh, of a comfortable 640 billion US dollar Meanwhile, the fourth largest uh, worldwide are protecting the country from potential external shocks. Also, the Indian banking sector, uh, which uh, showed excellent results over the last uh, two quarters, managed the pandemic-related stress fairly well. Uh, banks were able to increase their capital substantially during the last 12 months in order to build up uh, buffers uh, for potential loan losses. Looking ahead, for this financial year, all economic pundits like the international rating agencies, World Bank, IMF, etc., are expecting uh, India's GDP to grow between 8 and 10 percent, which would be one of the highest worldwide for a large economy. The predictions for the coming years are about 6 to 7 percent. I'm sure that India will regain its position as five, fifth largest economy soon effect which is often overlooked by international corporates and organizations because the country is generally considered uh, difficult to do business with. On the other hand, 
I feel an emerging economy of this scale, which contributes to 7% to growth, uh, world growth, and which offers a wide spectrum of uh, business opportunities in the years to come, uh, should not be ignored. Uh, finally, let me add one thing uh, which um, I noticed uh, based on the trade business uh, Commerce Bank has received over the last uh, months. I meanwhile strongly believe that we are uh, at the beginning of a new capex uh, cycle here in India, which will soon see more investments in key sectors like infrastructure, healthcare, education and engineering. The last capex uh, cycle ended more than 10 years ago and uh, with the rapid developments uh, since then. New capacities are required, uh, creating a fresh demand for investments in capital goods. And India holds a really significant role in the global supply chain routes, yet the country decided to opt out of RCEP. How is India looking to position itself in the international trade network without being part of these you know, huge um, group networks between countries? Yeah, does India really have a strong role in uh, global supply uh, chain routes? Uh, considering the size of the economy, I would rather say uh, no. There are, of course, a few exceptions. Uh, uh, for example, the gemstones, particularly the diamond business, yeah, pharmaceuticals and IT. And there are historic reasons for it, Kimberly. Uh, for decades after independence, uh, India followed a policy of import substitution uh, state-led industrialization and protectionism. Trade and industrial policies are, and I would say still today, domestic market-oriented. It is therefore no surprise that uh, India's integration into uh, global uh, value chains uh, remained underdeveloped and uh, largely untapped. Since the country is not sufficiently exposed to international competition, uh, studies have also shown that India would not automatically profit from uh, free trade agreements. It's rather a win-lose situation for India, which would open its huge domestic market which out, without gaining much in return. And in this context, we have to understand why India backed out from the Regional Comprehensive Economic uh, Partnership, uh, RZEP, a free trade zone agreement signed last year by 15 Asia-Pacific countries. On the other hand, uh, the Indian government knows very well uh, in the long run, uh, protectionism can't can be the solution. Um, uh, but uh, it also realizes that most uh, of its companies need more time to strengthen their international competitiveness. How to achieve this? Domestically, the government has to continue its course of liberalization, creating a robust uh, infrastructure to reform the legal system so that companies find a better environment to grow. Parallel to this, open up uh, the markets to foreign competition by signing uh, free trade uh, and foreign investment uh, agreements, preferably with countries and regions where imports and exports are balanced. And th these are the US, uh, UK, Australia, New Zealand, and the European Union. At the end, it's a balancing act between lifting protectionist policies, encouraging foreign competition, and at the same time strengthening domestic manufacturing and uh, export capabilities. India is, in my opinion, at a turning point, and the next 10 years will be very interesting. I'm absolutely convinced that India will go through its uh, transformation with uh, perhaps 
which will perhaps take more time than in other countries because uh, India is large and very diverse, as you know, uh, and a democracy yeah, where a government has to compromise to bring many interests under one uh, umbrella. However, the present government, which is uh, stable and reform-oriented, seems to be committed to integrating India into global value change. Uh, they know that a focus on exports has worked wonders uh, decades ago for Japan, Thailand, uh, Taiwan, uh, Korea, and the South Asian Tigers. A recent success story is neighboring Bangladesh, uh, which currently has a higher per capita income than India itself. Uh, by the way, exports are doing well at the moment, and uh, the country is on track achieving a historic record this uh, year as far as exports is concerned. Uh, let me mention one more interesting export, uh, uh, aspect. Uh, when we talk about trade and supply chains, we usually mean goods and forget the services. India has excellent IT cap, uh, companies and abundant well-educated software engineers, which are ready to deliver what the world needs for its global transformation. Uh, for its uh, digital transformation, I mean. Only last week, India's Commerce Minister mentioned that India could scale up its services exports to $1 trillion by 2030 through leveraging its advantages in IT, education, technology-based uh, healthcare, as well as management and business services. And looking more closely to home now for India, the SME and the MSME segments are a huge part of India's economy. How are these essential small businesses being supported throughout the pandemic and everything else that has been thrown at the country recently? Yeah, um, as in many other countries, SME and MSME uh, form the core of the economy also here in India, yeah, contributing to 38% of uh, GDP. Uh, and what is uh, very important, employing tens of millions of people. Uh, in a democracy like India, no politician can ignore uh, SMEs and uh, MSMEs. And therefore, a lot of direct support was directly given uh, during the peak of the pandemic. One should not underestimate also the size of the informal, unregulated MSME sector in India, which is not even covered by GDP calculations. And the challenge uh, for any government is to bring this, also this segment, into uh, the better regulated formal sector. Only a well-regulated, skilled SME sector would be the cradle uh, for governments, uh, for the government's Make in India vision, which means substantially increasing production capacities and creating employment uh, on a massive scale. This would be the nursery where small businesses existing today have the potential to become noteworthy exporters of tomorrow, attracting also partners uh, with technology and funds. There are two important factors to transform these uh, large <clears throat> SME sector. First, of course, uh, upskilling to fill the lack of qualified workers and to improve the product quality. And secondly, uh, removing bureaucratic hurdles and make doing business uh, easier for SMEs. This will increase in efficiencies and unleash the famous Indian entrepreneurial sp uh, spirit as well as the abandoned capital which is available in the country. The old comparison of setting free the caged Indian tiger 
uh, comes to my mind in this connection. The Indian banking sector, as I see it, is ready and keen to play a crucial role in this uh, transformation process. And India's macro, small and medium enterprises will no doubt be the game changers in strengthening India's domestic manufacturing as well as export capabilities. That's great. Thank you so much for joining us today, Peter. Yeah, thank you very much, Kimberly. And you can keep up to date by subscribing to our weekly podcasts on iTunes, Spotify and Acast and follow our discussions at thebanker.com slash podcasts. Imagine the softest sheets you've ever felt. Now imagine them getting even softer over time. That's what you'll feel with Bowling Branch's organic cotton sheets. In a recent customer survey, 96% replied that Bowling Branch sheets get softer with every wash. Start getting your best night's sleep in these sheets that get softer and softer for years to come. Try their sheets with a 30-night guarantee. Plus, get 15% off your first order at BowlingBranch.com. Code BUTTERY. Exclusions apply. See site for details. Even when we're on a budget, we still deserve nice things. Quince is a place to scoop up stunning high-end goods for 50 to 80% less than similar brands. They have buttery soft cashmere sweater starting at $50, luxurious Italian leather bags, and so much more. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. Get the high-end goods you'll love without the high price tag with Quince. Go to quince.com style for free shipping and 365-day returns.